casual yelling, a casual conversation podcast with 85% less yelling. Uh, I'm Matt Elfring. Hi, everybody. This week, we've got a fun topic to delve into, which I've been wanting to dive into for a while. Uh, please welcome John Santana from Too Legit to Crit, a wonderful podcast name. How are you? Hey there. Um, thank you ever so much for having me on. I'm doing great. You know, happy to happy to be joining you today. Yeah, uh, we met over threads, kind of. There's a really cool podcast community on there. And I <laughs> was just like, who wants to be on my show? Because I, I've already interviewed everybody I know that's <laughs> relevant in some field. <laughs> Yeah, and I I saw that. I mean, Threads has been a has been a game changer for us. We're still quite new to this whole podcasting thing, and we, you know, because you have to have a social media presence. You have to have. Yeah. So you know, we were going through the motions at one point. We were in the the Elon space, but that no longer applies. Um, yeah. But you know, we created like a Blue Sky account, and and Threads was an account that we created, and we saw this community not only of podcasters but also of tabletop role-playing gamers that has mm -hmm. that you know we are just blown away and it's been a complete game changer and lo and behold i saw a thread put out by yourself and you know i i'd like to be interviewed every now and again yeah <laughs> that that's the, that's the thing i've been uh behind the mic for so long throughout GameSpot and uh, various other podcasts i've hosted uh it is nice to not be the person that has to ask the questions. So I understand that entirely. Yeah, it's it's something that we're not used to. <laughs> Justin yes. and I, we are just this is new to us. So I'm I'm mm -hmm. like an excited toddler right now with with everything that's going on. Uh, so tell me, I'm just going to do the plugs right off the bat. Uh, tell me a little bit of, a little bit about Too Legit to Crit. Uh, Too Legit to Crit started because one of like a good friend of mine um, and I. Um, we've known each other ever since we got into tabletop role playing game. Our friendship mm -hmm. was kind of crafted around this hobby. So as long as we've been gaming, we've been friends. And one day we just got on Discord and we just chatted. We chatted for a couple of hours about games, about different games, about tools that we can use. And it was during that point where I can't remember whether it was Justin or myself that went, yeah, we should have recorded this, you know. <laughs> and going back to because uh, i'm a huge kevin smith fan i remember him and i can't remember the exact wording said if you want to create something just create it don't think about listeners don't think about audience think about doing it for yourself and that's kind of where mm -hmm. we started and that's what we are still trying to do however it turns out that what we've got to say some people are actually interested in listening to which is still mind-blowing to us so we are a, a tabletop role-playing game podcast where we we advertise ourselves as two idiots that just waffle on about the hobby that's kind of perfect uh tabletop role-playing for for me has been a weirdly integral part of my life for oh, what are we at what year is it 24 years <laughs> for for me the the kind of quick background is the which has been talked about on the show, the like Chicagoland punk rock scene during the 2000s, where we'd play punk shows and on the weekends we played Dungeons and Dragons or uh, various other uh, role playing games. So it's kind of I still play D and D with that group of uh, that group of friends. Hmm. For you, what what is the top like 
TRPG that you're playing or that you just like the most? Um, I mean, there's a, there's three that I can name off the top of my head. Um, there is Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Mm -hmm. I got into the hobby playing Pathfinder. Never really did D&D. &D. It was straight into Pathfinder. So obviously that has now evolved into Pathfinder 2nd Edition, which I will maintain that it is probably the most streamlined D20 system out there, and it is a fantastic mm. game. But I also like more narrative-based systems. Um, I've been getting into Blades in the Dark as of late, which is phenomenal. It is um, very, very narrative and very anything can happen. You know, the, the prep from the GM side is, is minimal. And then all... And then also the Delta Green, which, you know, everybody loves a bit of um, existential horror. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Pulp Cthulhu guy. Yes. So it, it seems there is a there's a big difference between, you know, the UK TRPG group versus America because we're it's Pathfinder and D&D. &D. And I mean, D&D is Hasbro, so it's kind of just everywhere at this point. Yeah. But like but very much it's like Pulp Cthulhu. Uh, Pendragon for some reason within our group of friends, which is so different than everything everything else out there. Yeah, Pendragon is one that's that's cropped up on, on in our sort of peripheral um, quite recently as well, and that's that's similar. I mean, it's be basic role playing um, mm -hmm. by Chaosium, um, so that will have links to Delta Green because Delta Green is kind of based on that as well. So it would be, I mean, I'd be interested in checking it out because I would like to see that rule set applied to of a more like a medieval fantasy setting. But yeah, Pendragon, apparently they're bringing out the sixth edition soon. It's a bonkers game because it's all about creating heirs and passing down lineage and battles. It has a real, like, to me, traveler feel to it, but hmm. extended years where it's a lot about building your character passing on that and character focus creation instead of i guess fantasy or story creation yeah. more than anything else are there any games that kind of delve into that for you that you really enjoy i mean in in terms of like the character creation mechanics i've always liked the traveler system anyway yeah you know i think i think just the whole okay you stop when you want to stop you carry on if you want to carry on you know your character gets older but you get you have the potential to get more the whole life path thing. I think it's, I think it's fascinating, and you know, with enough bad luck, you could probably kill yourself during character creation. That's just I mean, I think it's great. I think it is it is fantastic. And I mean, I did it. I think I created a very wealthy doctor. You wanted to create a wealthy doctor, but <laughs> that path may have not gone that way. I I had, I didn't do too bad. I think I created the only thing I kind of slipped up on was an injury. So essentially, it was kind of a wealthy version of Doctor House in space. <laughs> I I went. Uh, I wanted to be a pilot, and I believe I failed out of pilot school. So I was just like a freelance terrible pilot, like a bad New York City cab driver. That's my that was my character essentially. <laughs> how it turned out. There is there is definitely a split within the TRPG community as well within you know, kind of following the stories that are provided by books versus homebrewing. I myself am a home very, I've only done homebrewing my entire life. So how, how about yourself? Is it homebrewing? Or are you following the narratives that these books are putting out? 
Well, I start. I mean, Pathfinder. One of the the selling points of Pathfinder is the the quality of the adventures that they do. They are they are mm. very good. Um, however, I was sold on the myth that running a pre written adventure was easier. Mm-hmm. Where I I no longer believe that. Um, no, not at all. <laughs> no, it's 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 harder. Um, you run an AP. You're running. When you're trying to memorize and trying to contextualize other people's work, it adds a layer of complication of, okay, right, I need to read this. I need to read it again. Whereas in my homebrew campaign, um, I I subscribe to, um, was it Sly Flourish's Lazy, Lazy Dungeon Master books where I just write notes and the rest of it's improvised. As a DM or GM, which I've done many times, I, I want my characters to have control over the narrative. I want them to have control of the story. And when you're when you're running pre-written adventures, it's so linear. And I feel like your characters don't really have a real decision in how the story moves. Yeah, uh, that's that I've noticed a lot in. And again, I, probably my lack of experience in other systems will will kind of come into play. But in like in Pathfinder, the way the adventures are written. They are written as a story in which the players get to participate. Mm-hmm. If like Delta Green, when you read an operation, it's all pre-written stuff, but there is no path to follow. It is literally yeah. a dossier of information. You've got this character, he knows this information. And the only the only thing that resembles a narrative is what's happening behind the scenes the the things that the players can investigate and i i find that a really sort of captivating way of doing it as opposed to the i'll call it the pathfinder way of this is a story which you can participate but you know players don't always do what you expect them to do exactly i i feel it's it's mario brothers compared to anything else you know it's i don't like linear paths and I know that's not just me. I know new uh, beginners to D and D, beginners to Pathfinder. I think an easier way for them into it and to enjoy and to enjoy it is to play within these pre-written stories. But I feel like people like myself, people like yourself, who've been in the game for a while, it feels I don't like that much structure. No, me neither. I do like to to go. All right, you know what are you going to do now? Yeah, you know exactly. I I kind of the way I prep I I almost envision it like a like a bullseye like a dartboard as it were or a mm-hmm. target. So you've got your various sort of circles going closer and closer. The target, the bullseye, is what the characters are doing in the here and now. The circle around it is what they could potentially do from there. So mm-hmm. and and the closer you are to the bullseye is the the heavier you need to prep is the more um, content you need. And the further away from it, you know, you can loosen up a bit. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I've always found that there's, I have a main storyline I want to tell. Whether or not the players in my group reach that main storyline is kind of up to them. So we've had campaigns where I have this story I'm very excited about, and I hope they get there. And they've completely 
derailed at some point. And I'm like, you know what? That's just what happens. That's what mm -hmm. happens in life. You know, you have a goal and sometimes it's just, I don't reach that goal because I went over here to steal gold from a king instead. And now yeah. the king's after me, essentially. Yeah. I mean, I've got a similar approach. Mine just involves moving goalposts. Yes. So yeah. I've, I've got a story that I want to tell. I know what the players have to do to get to that point. If they kind of go off the rails, I'll just move the point to them as opposed yes. to doing it the other way around. I had a a little sort of side quest set up in a city while they were doing a lot of traveling because they were like going from one side of a continent to another. So I'd set up a city with a side quest. Mm. They walked straight past it. They just... <laughs> So I was there because we were doing like a exploration thing. So, okay, so you've got this hex. Oh, and this hex, there's this city. And they just went, no, nah, no, nah, we're going straight past it. <laughs> so I then got that city, moved it somewhere else, and just basically leveled everything up to when they would get there. And I just reuse the same thing. So I just essentially moved the goalpost. You have to do that as a DM at some point. You have to do it constantly. I mean, I, I feel like if you're running homebrewed campaigns, you're constantly have to be on your toes. Like, yes, you have those notebooks that tell you what you want to your players to accomplish, but they're going to go off the rails and you yeah. have to be accepting of that. You can't get mad about it because you want the players to have fun. At the end of the day, you don't want them being frustrated. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you have to give them a sense of consequence. Yes. They are in a city. The city is facing a risk, whatever that risk could be, and they decide to do something else. Well, then the bad guy's agenda is going to carry on. They not, they're not going to stop. So when the heroes actually do turn around and kind of go, what happened here? You know, well, we told you about this, but... <laughs> You decided to go another way. This has still happened. And I do like to play a lot with that in, in my games where I like to, to, to remind the players that the world keeps turning, whether mm -hmm. they interact with it or not. Like you had a chance to go into this city and stop something horrible from happening, but you chose to go into the woods and camp. Guess what? The horrible thing has now happened. So now you have to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, you've got to you've got to deal with the fallout. I mean, exactly the the start of this homebrew campaign that I'm running now. Um, well, I say the start. It was we ran a pre-written module, and then after that, it was our first time playing second edition. We all enjoyed it and said, "Let's carry it on." So that's where mm -hmm. I began to homebrew. They found a MacGuffin. They were in a city. <laughs> The bad guys wanted said MacGuffin, attacked the city, and the players, the, the characters had to escape and they had to move on. So one of the players was actually, while we were playing, he was he was saying, he was torn. Said, do I just throw them this thing? Just give what give them what they want and then we'll leave and whatever. And his question to me was, would I have derailed the campaign? And my answer was no. You would have changed the direction of the campaign, mm -hmm. but you wouldn't have derailed a thing. You know, you would have been recovering the end of the world, as it were.
but now you're living in a hellscape apocalypse. So, yeah, so. good luck. Yeah. <laughs> as far as systems go, uh, I mean, the most popular is D20, obviously, through Pathfinder mm. and D&D. What is your least favorite kind of dice system to play with? Um, I think it, oof, it's a tough one. Yeah. That is a, that is a tough one because you never ask the worst. You never ask your least favorite. <laughs> because the best for so many people is D20. It just, it's streamlined. It makes sense. You know, uh, rolling attack against armor class w- with attack bonuses. Mm. It just makes sense. Yeah. I think we're just so used to it. But worse could be so many different things. Yeah, I mean, it, it could it could mean so many different things. Um, I mean, in terms of an actual system, um, I kind of love it and hate it at the same time. I love some of the mechanics. I love some of the ideas it's got. But I think the way they've put it together is just too much. And that is Rollmaster. Okay um there are some there are really fantastic things the the fact that you know the classes represent how cheap the skills are going to be so you're not tied into oh a rogue has to have sneak and this that and the other yeah you can be a rogue with athletics it's just athletics is going to cost you that much more so that idea absolutely love it the insane fumbles I've got stories to tell for years because of those. But I didn't like the fact that the characters are so fragile. And yet at the same time, they're so complex to build. Yeah. There was just a massive discrepancy of kind of going, right, another one's dead. I'm going to take 45 minutes to look into building a new character. It just, it just didn't, you know, if you're going to have something that that crunchy and that lethal, at least make it a cinch to build a character. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how I feel in a sense about Pulp so, Cthulhu. Yeah, that's it, the, it, yeah, because yeah, it, it's a D100 system, essentially. Uh, and your characters die off so easily because you're constantly, there's the threat of tentacle monsters from space constantly trying to kill you. Yeah. But I feel like cause the, the builds take forever and... But that's why I always have a backup. Any game I'm playing, I'm, I have a backup character just in case. But I feel like Pathfinder and, and D&D, the, it's such a rare chance your character is going to die. And that's what I kind of don't like about those systems in a sense, especially when it was Thacko. When it was Thacko, go to hell. Thacko <laughs> is the worst. I, I'm, I, I avoided the Thacko ordeal, so I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah, it's... <laughs> it's just angering it's all charts which is cool that's fine that it's all charts but the the way to attack against armor class and just nothing made sense to me it did it didn't yeah. click it, it was dumb you've never played thacko though i remember you stating that you've yeah. never touched it never touched thacko yeah. i've always been i've always been curious and i'm you know i've got a few few friends in the in the hobby which do remember it Oddly, some mm-hmm. of them remember it fondly. That's kind of what I don't get. That's rose-colored glasses. That's what that is. Yeah. Oh, back in my day, we used to walk seven miles to school in the snow and <laughs> and play Thacko. It was such a great childhood. It wasn't. <laughs> great, have you great. ever messed with uh, 
M- was it Empire of Age? Oh, hold on. Let me look at Edge of the Empire. <laughs> the the Star Wars gaming. Is, I is think that, it was Fantasy Flight that did it. Is that the Fate system? Because I know Star, that Star Wars did have a couple of um, Fate-based systems. I don't know I don't, if Age of Empire is. Edge of Empire? No, it's, it's a, a D6 system. It, like, oh, it's, D6. It's, it's so weird because you have to use specialty dice, which... I hate the idea of specialty dice that you can only use in one game, but it's like, it's all based on you rolling like 66s and you hit or you miss or nothing. So it's, which makes sense if you're a stormtrooper, <laughs> but if you're a, a hero character, you should be able to hit more often than not hit, but everybody's kind of on the same level. So it just doesn't, hmm. it doesn't mesh with that universe. I've, I've never really tried. I mean, I've never played it. Another one that I'm I'm kind of really reluctant to try is uh, Savage. What's it called? Savage Worlds. Okay. Yeah. Savage. Vaguely World, familiar. Savage Worlds, um, mostly because I don't like the card system for initiative. It's, it's just why it's I don't see the necessity for it, and I know mm. I'm I'm probably shunning a lot of our listeners now, but yeah, it's, sorry, it's just not something I can gel with. The amount of listeners that uh, to this show that play TRPGs is going to be maybe 10%. So you're not really alienating anybody at this point. It's one person who might be mad about that until (laughs) you explain like secondary stuff on top of the books you're already buying is complete bullshit. You shouldn't be playing those systems, in my opinion. It's also, it's also. Like, I think you brought it up before. It's also the oh, specialty dice. It's like, why can't I just use a d six? I've got. You already mo- own those dice. I've got Monopoly. I can, I can grab a d six from there. Why do I need exactly. to buy the ones with your little logo on for twenty dollars? D and D tried to grab so many people with that. We're like uh crit hit was like the D logo and have it, as someone who worked with uh wizards of the coast for a very long time and got numerous dice sets from them they would always be recommending to like when i was doing journalism like when you write things up you know mention the dice and i'm like the dice are okay they're fine but like why do you need specific dice anybody can go buy you know a set of D dice essentially um i'm dnd is the band-aid of adhesive strips <laughs> But but why do you need that specific product? Don't sell me on specific products for a role playing game. I don't want it. I mean, I, I I do kind of you know I appreciate a company. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not a fan of wizards, and I think my listeners would uh, are tired of me whining about them. But anyway, beside the point. Let's say D and D. Let's say Pathfinder. Let's say Paizo or Wizards. I don't mind a company kind of going, these are our product. These are, you know, these are our branded products. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel free to buy them. If you want to buy Paizo dice, buy them. If you want to buy Wizards dice with the AND logo, great. It's the, why push them? That's what I don't yes. understand. The, I Same. mean, I'm sorry, but Hasbro are not going to not meet quota because people haven't bought dice. If you tell me the books are not selling, fair enough, but oh no, no, we've we've got to lay people off because dice aren't selling. Come on. Uh, I, again, as someone that worked closely with 
Wizards of the Coast, and I sat in so many like Hasbro meetings as they discuss upcoming books and all that. To me, it's like, why are you why are you all putting out so much content so quickly? You know, uh, Ravenloft comes out, and then you know another quarter, the next quarter, they're releasing another book. It's like you don't need to release four books to six books a year. Like, let the people who love the game take it in. Maybe release one to two books a year. I'm fine with that. But I feel like when you're quarterly releasing books, like no one can keep up with this. No one. No, it's it. It's like the law of diminishing returns. Exactly. You know, exactly. I cannot like Pathfinder. If I even because I'm running an adventure path now, it's a three book adventure path, which is half the usual size. We've been going two year and a half, two years now. So I'm not going to be investing any money into any more adventure paths until I've got mm-hmm. this one under my belt. Then, yeah, by all means, I'll potentially look into something else or not. But I'm not, you know, Pathfinder, I think Paizo release one every three months or six months. And yeah. again, it's it has to be the law of diminishing returns. And I, I think about uh dnd 3.5 i know i mentioned dnd a lot but that's kind of that was my end that was my entrance into it that's what we primarily played up until we decided to have spooky season in october with pulp cthulhu and then refell in love with that game pulp it but pulp is so much fun i don't have bad things to say about it like once you get used to that system hmm. i love the fact that your character essentially levels up every session instead of like the dm waiting to say because we never do xp we xp we do milestones yeah but you know when the d when the dm's like well it's been a month and a half i guess you can level up and it's like that doesn't make sense with paul yeah. cthulhu it's like i use this skill i use this skill i did it correctly i can have the chance to get better at it at the end of the session yeah that makes more sense yeah i mean like some of the like delta green you level up well you don't level up you don't have levels but every yes. if you fail a skill at the end of the session you can improve because you improve with failure yes i i like that as well yeah i mean both, both of those systems yeah i i just think it it gives a more tangible feel to yes. what you're doing as opposed to oh i was level six now i'm level seven wow i suddenly speak draconic which i've never spoken before in my <laughs> yes. life no classes whatsoever all of a sudden i can go speak to a dragon it's like there's a sp- i magically learned how to cleave I, I don't know i just today i know how to do that there was oh there was one in pathfinder that really used to annoy me and i can't remember what it was uh power attack in pathfinder first edition it's like mm-hmm. so you have actually had to take special training to hit harder you know it's it just i do appreciate the suspension of disbelief but it gets to a point where it's a bit too much mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah pulp cthulhu i love um i think it's a great system and i'm glad you guys are playing i'm glad you guys are enjoying it yeah it was a game we played when we were younger and i say younger but we were mid-20s uh but you get i think you get to a point with fantasy adventures where i'm tired of playing as you know big guy with sword i'm tired of oh dragon we must fight i want you want something different you want variety yeah and when you're playing pathfinder and D, which are pathfinders a better game but 
<laughs> they're they're both in the same realm. Yeah. Uh, I I feel like you want you just want something different, and I'd say throughout the two thousands up until you know two thousand twenty four, right? I guess there's been a lot of variety. There's been a lot of new games, and then there's also like just a booming indie market. Is there something from that indie market that you've really gravitated towards? We um, part of um like this community that's that's grown on threads it uh, one of the one of the great things about it is that we have been given the opportunity to meet these designers to meet these people yes. that are bringing out these games into the world and once we started getting you know um like back and forth with them we started featuring them on the show so each each episode will take to whether it's a game designer, whether it's a other creative in the space, if a mm. dice creator or some, we'll, we will spend 10, 15 minutes and we will focus on these people and their products and, you know, try and plug them. And we have now, because of that, we are starting a second show, which is due to air um, from April. We're going to call it the crit list where Justin and I, invite these designers onto the show to run us through a one shot of these games. We recently did bind, which is an open source um, system from Marlin Freeberg. That was great. And this Sunday we've got um, the wonderful Stefan Kelly. He's going to be running us through Covenant Crucible. And, you know, they, they are fantastic. And some of these ideas that people have got are just astounding. They are amazing. And I feel like that comes from people play, uh, playing these fantasy games for so long and trying to find something different. And maybe there's something that doesn't fit into what they want from a TRPG. So screw it. Let's just make our own. We understand how systems work at this point relatively, but, you know, create your own system, create your own world, something that appeals to you, which more than likely is going to appeal to someone else in this community. Have you ever thought about starting your own game? Yep. Um, yeah, we all have. <laughs> so, so Justin and I, we actually on the show, I can't remember what episode it was, we got this idea to, we're going to create our game. And to be honest, every now and again, we'll bring it up and we'll have a little chat about it. But what kind of fascinates me is that when we, Justin and I are talking about creating a game and we're kind of coming back and forth with ideas, everything we're coming up with has been done before. Yeah. Everything. So... You know, Justin is is only recently kind of moved away. Oh, well, kind of moved onto other games that isn't that aren't D and D. So a lot of the things that he was bringing to the table were like th looked at through the D and D prism of okay, so there's an there's an armor class. You know, we got to roll to hit and all this. I have got a bit more experience in other systems, but at the same time, the what I'm bringing to the table was based on Blades in the Dark or based on Delta or something. What fascinates me is all these systems that we're seeing coming out from people. They're com I can't find anything that, that I can go, oh, that's a, you know, that's inspired by this or that is, they are 100% original and the ideas are phenomenal. And it's, it's just, I'm in awe of the creativity of, of some of these folks. At the same time, though, I mean, you could talk about parallel thought when you're 
putting together game mechanics, but why not just take the game the the game mechanics that you love the most and kind of work them together in an organic way, I guess. That's easy to play, but also add something spicier or better to the overall gameplay. I mean, I feel like when it, when people talk about like developing new game game mechanics, like you don't you can develop new game mechanics, but you can also just amalgamate things you love. It doesn't have to be brand new. This is a conversation podcast. There are eight billion of these. I know that I understand that, <laughs> but you do things because you love them. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you are 100% right, but it's just something that kind of we we saw that that we were doing. We were obviously kind of going, okay, so we like the Blades in the Dark way of resolution, um, and we were kind of focusing on that. But then there's, you know, um, like Stoneburner from RPD, RPD Shea, I think um, his name is. Um, he's got, like, really fun mechanic where, you know, the your proficiency in a skill is represented by the size of the dice that you roll has been done before obviously mm -hmm. but the twist he's put on it is that every time you roll that skill your dice gets smaller okay so you start out with a d12 if you're really good at something the next time you roll it a d10 now you can rest whenever you want to bring those dice sizes back up but when you rest the gm gets to put in a complication Okay. So one of the games he did was like a zombie apocalypse survival horror. So it's like you can run away, you can do this, and you can roll your skills. Every time you stop to rest, a complication is going to arise. And I, I so you're essentially you're essentially bringing fatigue into gameplay. Yeah, that's really interesting. Actually, I really like that idea. Mm. Instead of, you know, again, big man with sword just hacking away at everybody and just can do it forever. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Pathfinder. I'm, yeah. And I, I'm not going to kind of bash it too much, but it's not perfect. It's not a perfect system. Pathfinder and D&D, &D, I feel that they could technically be played without a GM. You know, you the players know all the rules. The players yeah. can look at the book. You know, all the players would need to know is the AC of something and the DCs for the saves. Yeah. And it, as long as, like, they know where monsters would pop up naturally. Yeah. How many, you know. Yeah, I completely agree with that. So it, so it does, as, you know, if you're a forever GM like me, you do get to the point playing Pathfinder where it's like, <sighs> right, okay, let's, let's do another game. Yeah. Whereas yeah. in... You know, like the other systems like delta green and blades in the dark everything's new everything's fresh you're forever gm don't you ever want to actually play as a player i do i do and i've actually i have actually recently started um our our friend and frequent collaborator couch um he has recently started playing uh started running a fabula ultima campaign mm which is an amazing system it is if you're into japanese like jrpgs that is the system for you very based okay. on final fantasy based in fable and it, you get the feel you get that feel as you're playing it so i am now a player and i'm trying to be 
as annoying as possible. Good, good. <laughs> uh, my next question was actually going to be, are you a serious player or are you just there to have fun and sometimes play the, the be the wild card character? I, I am quite chaotic in nature, so that does shine through. I, but even that even comes out as a GM as well. Yeah. You know, I don't like, I don't really enjoy my games being overly serious. Yes. You know, I, I like to be able to switch at the drop of a dime of, oh, we're having fun. We're poking fun at an NPC. Then all of a sudden, a minute later, it's like, now you need to focus. Now you need to yeah. take this seriously. If not, bad things are going to happen. Um, yeah. As a player, I'm similar, where I'll be the first to crack a joke. I'll be the first to, you know, say the thing that's going to annoy the NPC as much as possible. But when you're up against the wall, I'm also the first player to kind of go, all right, let's be serious. Let's think about what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Let's make tactical choices. Let's, you know. I've played with maybe or two or three people that take the game very seriously. And uh, all three times they've quit the group because <laughs> I feel if you take fantasy and all that too seriously, you ruin the fun of those games. Yeah. It, there has to be some sort of weird comedic element because you're playing as a person that casts magic. You're this person's playing as a sneaky rogue. This person's playing as a paladin and they're all magically grouped up together. Like it's, it's all silly to me, but wonderful at the same time. It's, it's like if you kind of have a look at your traditional sort of storytelling, Mm -hmm. If everything is dark and somber and serious, how do you tell those moments apart? How do you create the story beats if everything is the same tone? Whereas in these games, it has to be the same. You have to have the levity. You know, you have to have mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the, co the comedic relief. You have to have those moments where you relax and then those the story beats when they change are a lot more pronounced mm -hmm. and a lot more engaging personally i i completely agree there was um a game out that i believe ran on the faco system I, it's been so long uh called Hackmaster, where it was just ah. straight comedy dnd &D. and to me that worked so incredibly well compared to again if you take games too seriously to me, you're just looking at like 1980s Batman, which you'll get a good story in there, but most of it is just a hot garbage because it's just a dude brooding for <laughs> a decade. It's not fun. You need fun. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you can, you can frame these games however you want. You can call them collaborative storytelling. You can call them social, in what, social interaction or... At the end of the day, they are a game and games are yes. meant to be fun. Exactly. And if you are the sort of person who's around a table trying to stifle other people's fun for your own enjoyment, then I think it's time to find another table, one that would be more appropriate to you. You don't want a sociopathic DM. <laughs> No, I mean, here's what I'm going to put you through this week. Ugh. I'm going. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've been, I've been called a sociopathic DM. <laughs> oh no! 
Yeah, just you know. Um, that that's more because you know sometimes I bring the levity, <laughs> maybe at the wrong time. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I remember one I did, and yeah, this one it was an uproar. Two players in the in the campaign, two players in the campaign. This was when we were playing Rune Lords. Their characters developed a bond, like they were like best friends as characters, and mm-hmm. um, one of them died. And after the combat, they were at, went to the sort of healing, and one of them said, "Oh, is anyone down?" And my response was, "Well, Constantine's down a friend." <laughs> uh, yeah, that was probably not the best time. I would agree with that. Was a great time. <laughs> I thought it was funny personally. I thought it was a really fun joke. Um, didn't you know? It wasn't as appreciated by two people at the table but yeah can you mark off on your character sheet uh allies take constantine off just cross just, an hour. you know i've got some tip x here yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know, just just wipe it out it's fine yeah just forget about it you know just go through all seven stages of grief grief right now and just move forward with your character <laughs> roll for anger <laughs> you're depressed oh. now you've accepted the death of your character <laughs> i think you and i do well at a table together <laughs> i'm uh like so we're playing pulp cthulhu our group is a mess like we have one player essentially playing as dom from fast and the furious and he's constantly crashing cars uh i'm sorry i love that a... i love everything about that <laughs> Uh, my character is essentially my character's name is Doctor Detective. He's Eddie Valiant from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but more of a screw up. So nice. he's just constantly like, yeah, he, all he does is library use and try to use law on people and fails constantly. <laughs> so like the group's dynamic, we like some of us work together. There's six of us at the table. I work together with my intern named the Click, who gets paid in experience, and I work well with a seminary student that we have. But the three other people at the table, like, I hate them. But we have to work together for a common goal. I kind of feel like that's how group dynamics should be. You shouldn't get along with everybody. Because if you put six random people together, there's going to be clashing of personalities. There has to be. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's it. It is, like you say, it's a group dynamic. It's it's not, yeah, we're all friends on an adventure. Is it? No. <laughs> You guys are put together. You guys have something has happened which has put you guys together. You may hate each other, but you've got a common mm. goal, and that's what keeps the motivation. In the Fabula game, I brought in my character is as close to a paladin in Fabula as you can get. So very kind of okay. straight, very somewhat straight laced, somewhat you know rules are rules and all this, but at the same time, very direct and very I don't mess about. This is. Another player's character was, oh, sorry, is a chaotic little gnome type character, just no social skills. And I was brutal to this character. And I think at the end there was a comment made like, I, I can't tell if John's being serious or if he's, or if he's in character. And it's like, no, no, he's, he's in character. You know, his character thinks yours is whatever he thinks so he's gonna he's gonna say that yeah you have to because i have a friend in our group that 
my friend is so nice. The nicest person in the world. Every character he plays is nice. And I feel like it's very cathartic for a person to play someone that's that's not you in the real world. I feel like if you grasp onto the dynamic of being the asshole, grasp onto the dynamic of being uh, egotistical, if, unless you're egotistical in real life, <laughs> I feel like that's, that's such a cathartic experience. It's such a fun experience within role-playing to not be you and that you in real life to make decisions you wouldn't normally make to steal and hurt people because oh god that's actually a bad example because that makes me seem like i want to do that in real life i don't but within the realm of role playing it's fun it's yeah i mean i do agree it is it can be somewhat therapeutic you to a less to a certain degree you are acting mm -hmm. you are acting a part you are okay yeah. so i'm a rogue i'm the person who steals things all right i i would never steal a thing in my life a because i'd get yeah. caught like that but b because well i'd get caught like that um <laughs> but yeah so you know i play a rogue and it's okay i want to i want to steal stuff yeah. you know i've you know i've got my lifestyle to to support so if i see a gold pouch that the party hasn't seen it's mine this, <laughs> this i had this all along you just haven't noticed have you <laughs> let me just roll persuasion success you believe me <laughs> uh that's where we're gonna we're gonna close out this week john thank you so much for coming on the show and this is where i say to you plug all the things all right well first of all i just want to say thank you ever so much for having me this has been an absolute treat it's been great to meet you um we are too legit to crit you can find us at too legit to find us on most of the social medias instagram threads blue sky at too legit to crit that is our main podcast and in april we'll be starting with the crit list as well for everybody who likes some actual play uh thank you again for coming on thank you for not yelling you're the first person on the show as it's been rebranded to not yell at the end I, so I appreciate I, that. I, I don't think I, I can I can carry a yell that sounds convincing, to be honest. <laughs> and uh, people just kind of look at me, kind of go, is, is he is he hurt? <laughs> Has he done something to himself? So yeah, it's probably best for my own well-being that I don't. Well, thank you for not yelling. I appreciate it. Nah, thank you ever so much for having me. It's been awesome.